This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. An environmental battle is brewing about whether or not deep sea mining is necessary. Here for his perspective on that issue is Lawrence Gunther. Lawrence is the host of AMI-audio's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther, which you can find Sundays at 3 p.m. Eastern time and, of course, on demand on your favorite podcasting platform. Hey, good morning, Lawrence. Hi, Dave. So, Lawrence, what exactly is all the interest in the ocean floor about? Potatoes, my friend, potatoes. Well, not exactly potatoes, but potato-shaped polymetallic nodules. It'll wrap your mind around that one, my friend. Uh, it, it sounds very scientific. What, what are these nodules? They're little potato-shaped chunks of, uh, of, of precious metals that everyone wants, everyone needs. This is the future of our electric vehicles, solar panels, batteries. All of that depend on the metals in these potatoes. The only problem is they're located about four to six kilometers below the surface of okay. the ocean. Yes, that's a ways down. So <laughs> when someone uses the expression deep sea mining, certainly we've been mining for oil in seas and oceans for a while. How about, how, how do they go about extracting these things from the bottom of the ocean? No one's quite figured that one out yet. You know, they've done some testing and, uh, and you know, but they haven't really sort of developed the technology to scrape these things off the ocean floor because they're just really just lying down there on the floor of the ocean, you know, just waiting to be picked up. You could really literally just walk around there and just pick them up and put them in a bag. But how do you do that from six kilometers above, right, without destroying everything? That's that's the challenge is, is this is – these are ecosystems down there. Do we just want to lay waste to it all in our greed and hunger for these metals? Or, or are we going to do it the right way or are we going to do it at all? So let's go a little bit deeper into that. Why are certain groups so opposed to this kind of mining? What are the risks that are present? They're, they're, they're just the mining uh, process itself, it's not developed yet, it's not defined. And we know that whenever, you know, there's an extraction type of uh, operation, industrial operation, that, you know, whether it's forestry or seafood or, or oil, and in this case, precious metals, you know, there's always a lot of destruction and, and, and um, environmental damage that happens. Dave, these are, these are, this is some of the, the last untouched ecosystems of the planet Earth, right? 90% of the life down there is unknown, we know government policy has a lot to do with whether or not people are going to be uh, messing with oceans, at least that are mm. part of the uh, coastlines of countries. But then we get into the open water, Lawrence, and things get a little bit more loosey-goosey. That's where Mike Tyson fought Secretariat on a barge in uh, international <laughs> waters. That, that never actually happened. The horse didn't fight Mike Tyson. But what, oh, did, yeah, what, what, what do governments have to say about this? 
Well, the International Seabed Authority is the organization in charge of overseeing all this. They've issued 17 companies permission to do exploration, not mining, but exploration. The Canadian government is saying, you know, we will watch this. We will make sure that there's monitoring and uh, examination and, and, uh, and, and that all the practices will be sound and that uh, will be no destruction or very little destruction. You know, they're, so they're not saying no. The challenge is, though, Dave, if, if all these 17 companies now turn around and get mining permits, and who do you decide gets them and who doesn't, right? I mean, if they all want them, how do you say yes to some and no to others? So there could be 17 companies all of a sudden mining the stretch of the ocean, and it's primarily the stretch of the ocean between Mexico and Hawaii that's known for the rich, rich um, polymetallic nodules. So you've got 17 companies all of a sudden going down there with their equipment, you know, it's scraping stuff off the ground. There's a lot of uh, potential damage. Now, the Institute, the International Seabed Authority, has sectioned off some and to protect it. How much of that? I'm not sure. So they have set aside some of this territory to see, you know, no one's allowed to go there. But just mining activity itself, Dave, the sound, right, within five kilometers is is preventative of whales and, and other animals like that, marine animals, from hunting. The sound is so loud. The sound can carry as far as 500 kilometers, right? Mm. That's how noisy it's going to be. 500 kilometers, you could be able to hear it underwater. Well, maybe not us, but, you know, the creatures that live underwater that depend on sound would be able to hear it. Yeah, not, not a scientist over here, Lawrence. I left my lab coat at home this morning. But I would also <laughs> be concerned generally about any kind of extraction at the deepest points of the ocean floor, even for some tectonic activity, right? What are you potentially opening up in regards to either uh, volcanic activity, tectonic activity, creating, creating any kind of ripples in some of the trenches and forges that we have there? I would be really concerned about messing around with that stuff. Oh, for sure. You know, you're, you're knocking down things that have taken thousands and thousands of years to evolve. This is the abyssal ocean, Dave. This abyssal, just I looked it up, the definition of abyssal. Abyssal ocean means the part of the ocean, the de deep parts of the ocean where there's absolutely no light. So not all things require light to survive, but there's parts of the ocean that are complete in complete darkness and yet things survive. Now you go down there and you look around, you probably don't see much, but then all of a sudden you see a shipwreck and a whole bunch of crabs and clams and, and, and seashell type crustaceans on that, on that shipwreck or a dead whale. And it's surrounded by, by sea animals. And you think, where do they come from? Because of the rest of the, uh, a lot of this ocean floor is just, it's just what they call covered in ocean snow and ocean snow is the, de the deterioration of, of animals and life and plants and things that were on the surface of the ocean. And as they drifted down and they, they, they uh, dissolved, they fall to the ocean floor as, mm. as snow. It's like ocean compost. You know, that, that yeah. ends, it ends up uh, recycling uh, the, the, the rest of life. Um, Lawrence, it, ultimately, what do you think should be taken away from the debate over deep sea mining? You know, Dave, it, it, as with all things, you know, it's, you know, we all lose look at things now with this EGS thing right there, ESG, ESG, environmental issues, social issues, governance issues. You know, we're, psycho er, scientists are taking this approach on everything now, this ESG approach to uh, examining everything. My feeling is, you know, having seen uh, commercial fishing destroy, um, you know, fish stocks, it's the technology. 
it's not governance, it's not environmental social issues, it's the technology. When we want to build something to get something done, we build something to get it done as efficiently, as quickly as possible. Mm. We don't necessarily think about the destruction and what we leave in a, in the wake, because this these these giant machines that uh, industry creates to do extraction, they're built by private sector, and the private sector is all about profit, maximizing profit. So I think if this is going to happen, this is where we need to put the focus on what are these machines going to look like? How are these machines going to operate? And should we allow those machines, or should the machines be developed in ways that do not you know, destroy the ocean floor, but do it in a way that leaves it more or less the way it, they find it. Lawrence, maybe I should have had a little bit more follow-up about these polymetallic nodules because mm. I'm curious about the metals that are inside. Oh. And you know, here's, now here's where my, my line of thinking goes. There is some criticism slash a lot of criticism about the way in which we're mining for some of the materials related to making batteries for electric vehicles, particularly in parts mm. of Ontario right now, which mm -hmm. is understandable, but we can maybe make the argument this is a means to an end, that in the end there may be a little bit of neutrality, carbon neutrality into getting these precious metals. What exactly is in these nodules? Are we just talking about ocean gold here? Because if it's just about gold and like diamonds and stuff to like put money in people's pockets, maybe I'm a little less open to the idea. But if we're getting the stuff that we're going to be using to build renewable energy projects, well, maybe that's a little bit different. It's not gold. It's not diamonds. It's not precious stones. And I hear what you're saying. Like, this is not about bling. You know, this is not about glamour. This is cobalt, it's copper, it's nickel, it's magnesium. These are the essential metals that are found in our phones, our laptops, you know, solar panels, and the batteries that are going into our electric vehicles. You know, the race is on, right? In terms of where you can find these metals around the world, there's a, a, a bit in Africa, a fair bit in the, a there's few a, countries in Africa. There's, there's, a bunch, there's a bunch in Ukraine, which obviously has nothing to do with why there's an invasion going on there. <laughs> No comment. <laughs> and then there's, and then you're right. And there's some up in in the northwestern Ontario, the Ring of Fire, right? The Ring of Fire, that where they're going to start building roads to get to the uh, northwestern Ontario, a part where there's no roads, and so the mining companies can get their equipment in there and start mining these precious metals because you know all the governments have lined up behind the idea of creating batteries and electric vehicles in Ontario for the jobs. So, you know, the question is then, do we do we deal with the stuff on land and make sure that's done properly and focus in on that? Or do we do the stuff in the ocean and make sure that's done properly and focus in on that? Or do we spread ourselves a little thin here and, um, and let it happen on multiple levels? I, in the end, you know, as much as we like to think government controls the economy, the government has very little to do about the economy. If a company doesn't like operating in Canada because they don't like our rules, they'll just go to some other country and mm -hmm. operate out of that mm -hmm. country, right? So, you know, we can either work with them or we can kick them out of the country, but we're not going to stop this from happening. It's going to happen. It would take a serious, serious concerted international consensus to make this not happen. And and these are international waters, so it would take an international decision. And even then, right, even then, it would just take one country to say sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lawrence, you've been absolutely killing it all year, all year long with your episodes of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther oh. on AMI-audio and the podcast. What do you have coming up on the next episode? 
Well, we're going to look at uh, bears hibernating, Dave. This oh, is something yeah. that's, you know, like mm. close to your heart and mine, right? <laughs> Time to curl up and sleep through winter. <laughs> I'm, I'm into that. I've, I've, been, I've been mistaken for a bear or two in my life. <laughs> I, know, I know. I've seen you snoring away there and curled up, <laughs> you know, sleeping. <laughs> got, got me a little scared. But, yeah, so we're looking at... Do bears actually hibernate? What does that What does that look like? We're going to look at that a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, some of the new GPS technologies that's rolling out there too. So, yeah, we got uh, got some pretty cool stuff happening. Lawrence, bear follow up question: Have you ever pet a bear? Have you ever like touched a live bear? <laughs> no, I've touched dead ones, but not okay, a live one. That's one. a different story. I, yeah. You know, for something that's so deadly and dangerous, especially of the polar and grizzly variety. Uh, bears are like the cutest thing in the world. They are. <laughs> Dave, I'll tell you what bears are like. When you when you take the fur off a bear, you remove the claws and you remove the head and you take the fur off and, you know, after after hunt, what you got is a human body. It's really creepy. Oh, my like, gosh. They look like us. Oh, my gosh. Well, there you go. A little bear talk with Lawrence Gunther coming up this weekend. Lawrence, this is the last time we're going to chat with you ahead of the holidays. So, sir, all the best to you and the family. Keep up all the great work, and we'll talk to you in 2023. Dave, keep rocking it, man. You're doing a fantastic job. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Of course, I'm mentioning this to a lot of our contributors this week, that it's the last time we're going to chat with them in 2022, because as of the end of this week, we are going to be done with live shows through the rest of the year. Starting on Monday, we're going to be doing a lot of uh, technical tests with a new control room and a new studio. And uh, considering our luck with technology, we thought maybe not the best idea to bring that live to air. So after this Friday, we're going to be on a little bit of a hiatus. No, Now with Dave Brown has not been canceled. We're very grateful for that. Although you never know when that shoe may drop. I can be a little bit of a loose cannon over here. But we will be away for a couple of weeks through the holidays into the new year. Looking at a relaunch date with the new control room and new studio coming your way on Monday, January the 9th. Monday, January the 9th is the uh, prospective launch day of the new studio and new control room. So... If you're listening to the podcast or you're watching us on TV and you wonder, hey, where's Dave next Monday? Dave is alive and well, just uh, not broadcasting live, putting on a private show for some of the new crew we have around uh, this neck of the woods. They're slowly but surely being a little more horrified as they spend more time with me. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.